So um, it's my privilege to introduce to you a man who needs no introduction anywhere. Um, that's uh, Darren Smith. Uh, he especially doesn't need an introduction here because uh, I guess maybe 15 years ago or so he used to be a, a part of the, the church. That didn't assemble here, but that assembled over on Grawaller. And uh, it's long before he became my brother-in-law. And when Darren first became my brother-in-law, I, uh, I liked him, and uh, that's always good with in-laws. Uh, I like my mother-in-law, too, in case you're wondering. Uh, but I liked Darren, and I thought he was funny. In fact, he is hands down the funniest person I know, and he has brought so much laughter uh, to our family over the years, and I was thankful for that at first, but at, at first, that's what he was. He was, he was our funny guy. Uh, and then over the years, uh, I grew to start respecting Darren, and uh, I realized that there was a depth to him and a concern for the scriptures and for the people of God that was genuine. And as we've just continued on over the years, attending holidays and crashing funerals uh, together uh, repeatedly, Darren has become one of my very best friends, and I am so thankful for who he is and uh, for what he's doing. He is, uh, as he would uh, like to tell you himself, he's a, a vice president of a construction company. And uh, but also, more importantly, he is uh, an elder of the church, uh, the Door Church, that uh, meets in, uh, in Dallas, the Dallas area, has a couple different locations. And that's uh, uh, the most important work he is doing that he takes very seriously. And uh, I commend Darren to you now as uh, someone I love a lot and someone who loves God and loves the Word of God. So would you welcome Darren to speak for us tonight? If you believe all that, I've got a bridge to sell you. Um, I feel the same way about Luke. Uh, I'm honored uh, to speak with you tonight. Um, Audrey and I are big fans of you guys. Um, we can see the Holy Spirit here, and we see him, him working, and it's a wonderful thing, and so it's my pleasure to be here, and I am humbled whenever anyone asks me to talk about the gospel of Jesus Christ, because it is the power of God to salvation. If you were to ask me to describe the gospel to you in a, a brief succinct way, I would say it is this, that through his son, God has intervened to reverse our estrangement to him. And when we, as repentant sinners, affirm Jesus as Lord and trust in his completed work on our behalf, God charges the crimes, the long list of crimes that we have to Jesus. And he takes the righteousness of Jesus and he gives it to us as if we had lived that life. And then furthermore, the Holy Spirit comes to us and he begins a work in us and he transforms us into the very likeness of Jesus. And he calls us into a participation of that life. And there is nothing we can do to earn that. There is nothing we can do to add to that. And once we are saved, there's nothing that we can do to prove to God 
that he made the right choice. That's it. It's completed. And yet, in my sinful heart, in our sinful hearts, I think we often say, wait a minute, that can't be it. It can't be that simple. We're like people that are invited to to a dinner party, and we say, what can we bring? And And the host says, don't bring anything, just bring yourself. And we can't stand those people. They're horrible. What do you mean I can't bring anything? Those are the worst people. Let me bring a salad or drinks or something. But yet we do that with God. We look at Him and we say, wait, there's more. There's got to be more. I can bring something. I can add something. And I think in 2 Corinthians 3, this is a a thread of an idea or a big thread that the Apostle Paul is fighting. And I would tell you tonight that he indeed is fighting for the very essence of the gospel. Now, the backdrop of this is he's going to be defending his ministry, and we'll talk a little bit about that. But what he's really defending is the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now, if you were here last night, Michael did an awesome job setting the table for the context of this, and so I won't go too far into this tonight. But there, um, there were these false apostles in Corinth. Paul uh, planted the church at Corinth, and between then and the second Corinthian letter, these, fa- these false apostles had arisen, and they were demeaning Paul, and they were attacking his ministry. Again, when you hear me say his ministry, please translate that to the gospel of Jesus Christ. They were attacking the very essence of that. And so these fake apostles, they were dividing over who they liked best as teachers. They were dividing over things in Roman society. They were dividing over ethnicity and social rank. They valued people who were polished with rhetorical skills, and they regarded even the message of a crucified Messiah as foolish and folly. But I believe that really at the heart of what they were doing in 2 Corinthians is they were promoting themselves. They were promoting this idea that you could add to the gospel of Jesus Christ, that there has to be something else, right? It can't just be that simple. And I think if you read a lot of Paul's letters, this is a reoccurring theme that people are consistently doing it. And here is Paul's thesis in the third chapter of 2 Corinthians. He's defending the gospel. He calls the new covenant glorious because Jesus has written it on their hearts by the Spirit with power. And more than that, it transforms believers into the likeness, the very image of Jesus Christ. And so that's the title of our sermon tonight, From Glory to Glory, and we don't have a lot of time, so we're going to hit the top of the waves, and there are three things that I want to look at. The number one thing is the letter of the heart, the letter of the heart. Number two, the ministry of life, and number three, the transformation of believers. So as we jump into this idea of the letter to the heart, in verse one he says, Are we beginning to commend ourselves again? Or do we need, as some do, letters of recommendation to you or from you? You yourself are our letter of recommendation written on our hearts to be known and read by all. And then later he introduces 
um, a contrast between the new covenant and the old covenant. He says it's written not on tablets of stone, but in tablets of the human heart. So, a few years ago, um, I decided I was going to, as the kids say, boost my online profile, right? So, um, I was doing that on LinkedIn, and so I reached out to uh, a friend of mine who I'd worked with, and I said, hey, would you write me a letter of recommendation? He said, yep, would be glad to, except why don't you draft it and send it to me, and I'll post it. And I thought it was a little odd, but then I thought, this is actually pretty great, because finally I can tell the world how great I think I am, um, without the embarrassment of saying it myself, right? And, um, and so I did that. I wrote it, and I sent it to him. He changed it just a little bit. And it's posted there. You can go check it out, um, and a prize for any of you who figure out which one I wrote. Um, but it is there. I wrote this letter of recommendation for myself. And you know, um, letters of recommendation are nothing new to us. Obviously, in ancient times, it was something that they did. But I want you to understand what they are accusing the Apostle Paul of. They are accusing him of writing his own letters. That's That's what the accusation is. And furthermore, they're claiming that for him to come back to Corinth, he should bring another letter, maybe even from Ephesus. How crazy is that? If you ever feel like you're being unduly criticized, I want you to read this again. (laughs) The Apostle Paul was being criticized and told, we need recommendations from you. But here's what I think is really happening. I think these fake apostles were elevating themselves, and they were doing that by pushing Paul down. You know, it's sort of that, that thing, if you want to make yourself look taller, you push other people down. You're not actually taller You just look taller because you're pushing others down. Now, before we go too hard on these guys, this is something that we all do every day. Um, I have been convicted in this last year um, about how I treat people and how I look at people, how I talk about people. And sometimes I'll I'll cloak it um, in in a cloak of holiness But really what I'm trying to do is to set people apart so I can look better. I'll tell you one way I've done this. Um, In the past, I've always taken great pride that I paid for my own college education, right? And um, as if, like, I'm somehow stronger or smarter or braver than anyone else that's ever lived in the whole world, right? And so I'll go around and I'll talk about that. And you know what I'm doing? I'm marginalizing people so that I will look better. It's sinful, and it's wicked, and we have to call it what it is, but how much more so do we do that in other ways as well? And I'll propose to you tonight that what Paul is doing to them and to us is that he is exposing an identity crisis. The question is, where do you get your identity? Where do you get it? They were finding it somewhere other than Jesus Christ. They were carrying letters around so they could give them to people to show what they are. In 1 Corinthians 2, so one book before this, he says, and when I came to you, brothers, did not come proclaiming to you the testimony of God with lofty speech or wisdom, for I decided to know nothing amongst you except Jesus Christ 
and Him crucified. And I was with you in weakness and in fear and in much trembling. And my speech and my message were not plausible words of wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and of power, so that your faith may not rest in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. You see, here's what's funny about this. He's like, you want a letter? You want a letter of recommendation? Guess what? You're my letter. You're the letter because God has performed powerful works on you. And He wrote the letter. Jesus wrote the letter. Not on tablets of stone, but on your heart and in your flesh. He's saying, look at the experience that you've had. Look at the transformation that is happening in your life and understand that it is sufficient. And I believe that Paul had to have had Jeremiah 31 on his mind. It says, I will put my law within them and I will write it on their hearts and I will be their God and they shall be my people. There's your letter. That's sufficient. That's all you need. And so for us tonight, here's what I would like to say. If you or I add anything to the simple message of the gospel, we'll miss it. If you add society or culture or your selfish pride or your awful good deeds that you think are so great, you'll miss the essence of the gospel of Jesus Christ. See, the gospel is about us getting a new heart and participating with Jesus. I've lived this. So many of you knew me when I was young. All I can say is I'm sorry. <laughs> Thanks for giving me another chance. Um, you know what, I never would have said this, um, but I'm, I, I lived it. You know, I thought God was lucky to have me on his team. Um, and I was, I was going around, I was writing letters of, of who I thought I was. And you know what, you know what happens when you do that? You're the only one that's powering yourself. And you know what happens? You run out of power because you know it's a sham and you will leave God if you're not careful. But praise God that he came to me and caught me and wrote, wrote that on my heart. What letters of recommendation are you carrying around tonight? <laughs> what, you, what, what letters of recommendation are you asking other people to carry around? Because Jesus plus nothing is everything. And he is sufficient. I have to move quickly. The second thing that he deals with is this idea of the ministry of life, the new covenant that brings life. In verse 7 he says, Now if the ministry of death carved in letters on stone came with such glory that the Israelites could not gaze at Moses' face because of its glory, which was being brought to an end, will not the ministry of the Spirit have even more glory? So just this week, um, Audrey and I were looking for our little tiny bitty Apple remote. And I've put a tracker on it. Um, because we lose it all the time, um, and the, the tracker's battery was dead. So um, looking for remotes is an Olympic sport in our house, except we don't do it four years. We do it every night. Uh, and so um, I'm looking for this remote. I'm, I'm literally picking up couches, and I'm yelling at people to get under there and everything. And as I'm doing that, I reached, and I hit an old iPod shuffle. Everybody remember the iPods? And uh, the iPod shuffle was phenomenal. It was just a little jump drive. That's really what it was. 
Um, and at that time I ran, and so I could put it in my running shorts, and it was, it was brilliant, it was beautiful. And as I sat there and I looked at it, I remembered how awesome that was. It was tremendous, and it still is a beautiful device. But you know what? It's not an iPhone. It's not an iPhone because, you know, your iPhone has the music. It has, obviously, the phone. It's got the apps. It's got uh, directions. It's got everything that you need or don't need. But it's there, right? And even when the iPhone was unveiled um, 15 years ago, this was the quote, every once in a while, a revolutionary product comes along that changes everything. And in all sincerity, that's not hyperbole. It really did, right? It changed the way that we live um, our earthly life. And the point is that the new eclipses the old. And so as I look at this old iPod shuffle, I can't even use it anymore. I don't even really remember much about it. This is a similar declaration that the Apostle Paul is making here. He is saying a very bold statement. He's saying, my ministry, again, put in parentheses, the gospel of Jesus Christ, my ministry is greater than Moses. I want to pause for a minute. That's a big statement. That's like saying someone's a better basketball player than Michael Jordan. There is nobody, by the way. We can talk later. Right? That's crazy talk. And yet he's making this big, bold statement as he defends himself, but he's really defending the gospel. He's really saying to them um, that I and my ministry is greater than that. What he's really telling them is don't miss the glory. Don't miss the glory of what's happening. You're asking for letters. You're giving out letters. You're running around over here. You're distracted. Don't miss the glory of what's happening in front of you, the new covenant. And so he tells the story of Exodus 32, 34. I wish I had time to talk about all of that. It's beautiful. Um, But we'll just say this. When Moses was with God, the glory of God was absorbed and it was scary. And he had to wear a veil when he came down. And because of that, they couldn't look at him. And now he's saying, if that was the case, and that was fading away. By the way, that glory would fade over time. Um, and then they could look at him again, right? But if that was fading away, how much better is Jesus? That's a good question for us tonight. How much better is Jesus? Jesus, Jesus is better than anything. You see, the old law... I don't have time to do this too, too much, but the old law only pointed out sin. It was just, it was just like, this is what, what sin is. Um, and uh, it was a ministry of condemnation. That's what he calls it in verse 9, because it only enslaved you. And I'll put it this way. I have this reoccurring dream. It comes in several different, um, different forms. But this one is that I, I'm, I'm in a situation, I'm either playing a sport or there's an emergency or something's happening, and I need to move quickly, and, and I know it, and I want to, and I, I, I just can't get traction. I can't do it. I'm like, I'm like Scooby-Doo and Shaggy. I'm like, I'm not going anywhere, right? I'm just hovering, and I'm so mad, and I'm so frustrated, and I can't do it. I have another one very similar to it. It involves golf, but I won't go into all that. And that is what the Old Testament was. They wanted to do it, but they couldn't. It didn't give them power. And here's our point. Seeking salvation by human action 
is a recipe for damnation. So here's where he goes. The new covenant is so much greater. It's so much greater because it is negative in the sense that it points out sin just like the Old Testament, but it's positive because it establishes the relationship with God and it gives you the power to do it. The new covenant gives you power and how much greater is it because of that? I love what this same apostle wrote uh, to Thessalonica in the first chapter, verse 4. He says, For we know, brothers, loved by God, that He has chosen you because our gospel came to you not only in word, but also in power and in the Holy Spirit and with full conviction. You could say with full assurance. And yet many of them still chose to to have a veil. That's what he says. So many of them still chose to have that veil because they've not fully trusted Christ and turned to Him. So I wonder what veils you're looking through today. I wonder what veils I'm looking through. What's distracting us? What's in your life that's distracting you from, from you turning and fully looking at Christ? You see, you can't fulfill the law. And your good behavior is worthless in all of that. It's only through the power of the Holy Spirit. But Paul says, my ministry is life and it has lasting glory. There will never be a gospel 2.0, right? Well, the last thing that I want to cover is um, really the main point of this idea of from glory to glory, and that is the transformation of the believer. Verse 17, he says, Now the Lord is spirit, and where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we all with unveiled faces behold the glory of the Lord are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord who is spirit. So just five years ago, you you all probably remember this, we had a total lunar eclipse. And people lost their minds. Um, There were all these people screaming at us, don't look at the sun, don't do it. Um, And you have to have these protective glasses. And if you bought them before August, they were $5. Uh, The closer you got, they went up to $60 and $70 for plastic glasses. Um, And so um, the idea there, though, is that if you wanted to go out and to gaze at the glory of this eclipse, you had to have these special glasses. And the Apostle Paul is really saying that. In the, in the Old Covenant, if you wanted to see any of the glory of God, you had to be protected. But now he is saying, take off the glasses, take down that veil, let Jesus take that down and fully turn to Him and look at His glory. And there is freedom in that. There is freedom and you are, you are let go from the prison of yourself and you are given a life for Christ. I love so much of what Paul writes in Romans 7. In Romans 7, he's talking about this exact issue. He's frustrated. He feels like me with, in my dream. He can't get anywhere. In, in Romans uh, seven twenty one, he says, So I find it to be a law that when I want to do right, evil lies close at hand. He's so frustrated. And he says, Wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? But 
Jesus. Chapter 8, verse 1, he says, There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, for the law of the Spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. That is the word of the Lord. And so God takes our old heart full of sin and self-reliance and He gives you a new one. But here's the beauty. You share in the glory of Jesus Christ. You see, I think a lot of times we think that the gospel is about God giving us a clean slate or a second chance. That's not the gospel. The gospel is not a clean slate. It's only half of the gospel. You see, Imagine if God wipes your slate clean and then writes the righteousness of Jesus on your slate. That's the full gospel. That's what's happening here. It's not a second chance. It's, a, it's taking you from death to life. It's dramatic. It's bold. It's big. That is the gospel. It's not about what you've done. It's not about our culture or status, your own letters of recommendation, but it's what Christ has done through the Holy Spirit. And so, is your veil still there tonight? Have you turned fully to the Lord? I hope you're not trying to earn your salvation because you're not trying hard enough. God cares about our works, but not for the reasons that we think. Um, You see, how you live is an indication of this transformation. It's not a cause of the salvation It's regeneration, and He is transforming you from glory to glory. Back to Paul's thesis. The gospel is glorious because Jesus has written a new covenant on our hearts by the Spirit with power, and it transforms believers into the glorious likeness of Him. I'll leave you with this. If you don't preach this sermon to yourself, and if I don't preach it to myself... I will become like the fake apostles. I'll begin to trust in myself. I'll write letters of recommendation. I'll ask for letters of recommendation. Um, I'll take my eyes off the cross. Yes, I'll give it lip service, but I won't really think that its full salvation depends on that. I'll value society, ethnicity, and social rank. And in essence, I'll regard the crucified Messiah, as foolishness. There is nothing to add to the gospel. Jesus plus nothing is everything. May we let the glory of His gospel shine and be transformed. There is freedom there. God bless you.